Welcome to episode 398 of the Doctor Day, the Doctor Who podcast. My name is David, and I'm here with my wife, Ginger. Hello. Today we're going to talk about episode one of Nightmare of Eden. Okay. We start with a scene of deep space, and there is a large ship that comes into frame and then uh, cruises along and then seems to fade out. Um, and then we're inside the ship, we see a technician uh, entering uh, different controls on the panels and then makes an announcement and we see rows and rows of people seating as if on an airplane. Um, and he says that they're now entering, the or they will be entering the orbit of the planet of Zur and um, and everyone's stay in their seats, um, with, you know, the usual kind of thing you would hear from the pilot uh, when you arrive, shortly before you arrive. We learn that it's the cruise ship Empress. One of the crew um, finds a malfunction in the panels and is very upset with this, and the other one just doesn't care at all. It's like, oh, well, no, we're not in the right orbit. I don't care. Who cares? What's the, what's the difference does it make? Well, it turns out that they materialize and come out of warp, and there's another ship there, and so the two ships, one very small ship and then this very large cruise ship, have merged in the materialization. Within all this, the TARDIS arrives, and the Doctor and Ramana are in a breezeway where they can see um, through an entryway that the the other ship parts um, that are stuck to the to the ship they've materialized on, um, and he says, "Oh, that that looks troubling." And she, Romana says, "Oh, we shouldn't interfere." He says, "Of course we should interfere. We should all. You should always do what you're best at." So he walks off to find out what the problem is. Um, they see someone, a crew person. And so Dr. Amana and K-9 follow them off. The, uh, the captain, who we learned is Captain Rig of the cruise ship, uh, and then we learn is uh, Mr. Dimon from the commercial ship that he had run into are arguing about who's going to pay for this and who, what are we going to do, and I need, I have, I'm busy and I can't wait for you to, you know, you damage my ship and, Doctor walks in to stop the fight and uh, says he's from Galactic Underwriters or something like that, an insurance company. And uh, he says, uh, he offers, well, why not try to separate the ships? So the doctor asks where the power station is. And um, so Rig says, oh, well, uh, my crewman's uh, sector, he can show you. So the doctor goes off with K-9 to find this power, power grid, power station. Uh, Rig sends Ramana and Dimon off to the um, first class lounge to wait. So while they're gone, Rig checks on his computer for the galactic company and finds that, oh, it was founded and formed on Earth and in London and such a year and then went out of business in a different year and 
for his checking up on the doctor. Sector takes uh, the doctor through some hallways and then they reach a junction and he says, well, if you go down here and take another left and then another right and gives him directions, says, this will, you can't just take me there, Seth. I've told you how to get there. I've, I'm, I'm busy and heads off on his own. And he stumbles off and then stumbles into a dark room. Doctor and canine follow. Sector opens a drawer and takes out something that was in it uh, appears some type of substance doctor watches him stumble off and then he goes and checks out what was in there has canine analyze some of the uh, product that was in a, the container and canine says that it is fraxoin a very powerful fraxoin sorry i just need an n on the n on the end there yeah. fraxoin and uh, a very powerful drug that doctor had seen destroy whole worlds of people and so I wonder, you know, it looks like somebody has smuggled these drugs in. So Romana um, meanwhile meets some of the other passengers. It's a um, professor or scientist named Trist and his assistant. I forget what did you say her name was? Which one? The assistant. Uh, what was his name? Secker? No, uh, the the scientist assistant, the girl. Oh, oh, oh! Sorry, um, Della. Della, sorry, I knew it was a simple name. Um, they are working. Uh, they have this machine that he's created, and they've taken on their travels. And he calls it. A, he does a matter transmutation, um, and he. Where he travels, he goes, he collects life forms that are saved in this um, crystal matrix, and then he can project them and uh, get a, have a reminder of the beautiful sunset on this planet or the, the seaside on this one or something like that, and he you know, turns on one of them. And Romana says, oh, well, it's a, it's a primitive, this matter type device and he's like primitive what is well i've seen you know it's like a prototype then because she's seen it before and um, then he kind of takes offense but then she gives him some tips about like well the matter field being uh, unstable or this or that um captain rig uh contacts Azur and, and tells him they've had some technical difficulties and they, they will co he'll contact the, the planet once they can uh, land. The doctor comes and tells him about um, Secker um, just taking him and going off on his own and wants to he asks whether Secker could have gone somewhere, been somewhere recently to um, bring this drug aboard. And this is where any of the other passengers, because they, oh no, they have to be screened and scanned by, um, before they can go down to the planet. So they had to be done before they got on the ship. He says, well, the only other one is the biologist, Trist. He says, well, where can I find him? So he tells him, and then the doctor says, well, well, I wonder who you really are. And he says, I checked in Galactic, went out of business 20 years ago. He says, well, then I guess we'll have maintained. 
What's unreasonable? Well, that's what I thought. But the doctor just blows it off and doesn't answer him and uh, then starts to order him about and tells Rig to find uh, Secker and then meet him in the, the first class lounge where he's gone off to talk to Trist. We see Secker um, walking in the dangerous area of the, the power station, I believe, or the one of the places where the ships have merged, and they were a very smoky, dangerous-looking area that uh, nobody should just be hanging about in. And he just walks right into this, this room. Doctor asks Trist about his machine, and um, he goes on and on about it, and says, oh, I went saw one before by a, a professor, something other, and he picks the name, and and he says, oh yes, that was my mentor. We worked on this idea together. And blah, blah. Uh, the doctor uh, goes off to, I forget what he does. I forget where he's off to anyway. But as he leaves, he says something about his little machine being, um, how it's his own private zoo and how he's taken these, these, uh, life forms and made them into his own private zoo and he's like what wait what you just complimented my machine and then you what <laughs> he looks very confused and the mom says oh don't worry about him he just likes to irritate people and uh, she asks him more about the ship that he was on when he was doing his explorations and um he says how uh, well it was fine but fine they had a ship a crew of 11 but they ended up with ten because one of them died. He just, well, how did he die? He just died. Um, Rig and Doctor find a find the way to the power unit is blocked by the place where the ships have merged, the danger zone. Um, he says, well, maybe we can go around this other way, and we could maybe get requisition the laser and you know try to get through here, the doctor says, oh, I've got my own tools. So they agree to, to get through. Romana is left alone in the, the lounge and she is uh, playing with the machine and turning the dials to different uh, planet names. And she finds one that's called Eden. And it's very jungle, tropical looking place. And as she looks in to this scene, she thinks she can see someone in the foliage looking back at her. Uh, Della comes in and says, oh, what are you doing? And she says, well, I was just looking at your different stages in your machine. And so you have one on there called Eden. And she says, oh, I don't like to, you shouldn't go to that one. It's just, there's something like it's sad or something like that. And she says, well, that's where, Eden is where in our travels where our crewmen died. So, back near the power room, the doctor and um, MK9 and Rig hear a scream. So they go farther in to check it out and the doctor heads into the danger zone area and carries out Secker, who's been attacked. And they take him to sick bay. In the darkened room, we see someone open the drawer and take out the, the container of drugs. The doctor goes 
back in that room looking for the drugs and uh, he sees they're gone um, he goes to, to exit and as he's, as he's looking for something in the room we see someone stand up in the foreground but off camera the doctor faces him and says wait no and that person shoots a laser type gun at the doctor who slumps down to the ground We find that Secker was attacked by something or someone. Um, as outside of the sick bay, Rig is um, talking to Romana and and Della, and then um, Tris comes in and he he talks to Rig and the captain asks him if any live specimens were brought upon his ship, aboard his ship, and he says no. K-9 fetches Romana and takes her to the doctor where he's been knocked out. The doctor informs Romana about the drug um, Fraxoin. Fraxoin, And uh, they talk about how, uh, where it had been um, created and grown, they they had destroyed the entire planet, so somebody is smuggling it in. Rig and Dimon, Dimon, upset again, talking about, oh, I have schedules to keep, and they're very busy, and um, trying to, need to get their ships apart still, so, and where's this doctor go, he promises to, you know, let's work on these ships, and now he's nowhere to be found, Ramon and the doctor talk uh, about this machine of Trist, calls it the CBT machine, I think he calls it, something like that, yeah. Um, and she talks how it's a, a matter transmuter, um, and the matter fields are terribly unstable. Rig comes and tells the doctor and Romana that Sekir has, has died of his injuries. Um, the doctor says, well, let's go separate these ships. Uh, he sends Romana to see about the CBT machine, and he goes off with uh, Captain Rig. K-9 is brought to the power station area and he uses his laser to blast a hole in the, the power station wall. Um, Rig thinks that K-9 is very handy. He says, well, he's not just a blowtorch. Uh, Romana again watches the Eden screen and within the tropical scene we see a, a lighted disc, lighted object floating through thair, and then a beam comes out and hits Ramana and she crumples to the ground. The doctor and Rig have, uh, and well, K-9 has opened the, has cut around the panel, and the doctor and Rig open it, and as they open the panel, lots of smoke billows out, including a huge bug-eyed monster creature that starts to reach through the opening. And we end. Which is what I times it <laughs> as we went through our story. Um, very, very, um, not, not rambling. Yeah, rambling is a good word. I felt I just rambled on. I, I want to call it low key, but I don't think it should be low key. You don't want low key out of your Doctor Who. No. 
it's like you know the the thing with um sector who's this drugged out you know it doesn't care that they're in the wrong orbit and this and that i'm thinking you know i don't care much about anybody yeah. <laughs> right now <laughs> um yeah few things were, were good. Um, they, they, the production notes started by saying that the, uh, they started filming the model scenes with videotape instead of film. Yeah, and you can certainly tell. And you could, they, they can do more, I think, with them. I think it, it is, I mean, I'm sure it probably still takes a lot of work to get the effects, but in a way, some of them might come easier having videotape. Don't you think to be able to do some effects with? Could be, I would think so. Yeah, because they do a, a an interesting fade kind of stop motion but fade effect, like as the ship's going, apparently going into warp to get to the planet, um, and then they drop out of warp and and materialize, and because Secker hasn't got the coordinates right because he's drugged and doesn't care. They materialize in the wrong place and partially into this other ship. So, right. Um, I thought the effect of this the cruise ship was nice. The way it was. Oh yeah, the way the, it was. The uh, way it went into warp. Yeah. The first initial filming of it. It. it Where it went into warp. No, when we first see it as it comes onto screen oh, and then okay. moves slowly and it almost kind of undulates like it's on waves the way they're right, moving when it. it goes into warp no I, well, I meant no before it gets farther away then it goes into warp oh okay I just meant the way that they're moving the model it looks a little mm. <laughs> unsteady um, but I did like the warp effect that was good and I really did like when she's oh what I don't think we should interfere Inter of course we're going to interfere you always do what you're best at. That was pretty funny. It was a, quite a change from, oh, I wouldn't dream of interfering, which is what we've heard several times from different incarnations. I love that. Interfere. You always do what you're best at. This must be before the psychic paper, though. Oh, well before, well, the, well psychic before paper, the psychic paper. right? Yeah, psychic paper doesn't show up until Ninth Doctor. Oh, really, was it? Oh. As far as I know. Okay. I don't remember seeing it before that. Huh. Yeah, you're probably right. It just... It... Just seems so fitting. That he had it all along, you know? Yeah. But no. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't. No, he just... He just bluffs his way. Usually. Yeah. Pretty much. There was something with Sarah Jane, though. She gives him some uh, some ID, and love it. Anyway, um, you know, it's it's kind of funny to see that this captain is not taking the doctor at his word, and he looks up Galactic Federated or whatever, uh, Galactic Incorporation, whatever it was. He, name he put in there and finds out that they've been closed and calls the doctor on it. 
not something that you'd off that would mm-hmm. often happen. No, no one ever checks up on no, the doctor. They just take him as you know, face value with all his bluster and his interfering. That's what he does best. Um, so that was kind of refreshing to see that didn't get him anywhere. <laughs> so it didn't really count for very much. But I I enjoyed that just the same. Yeah. And he call he's you know he the doctor doesn't answer to it and he just starts telling him what to do anyway and he doesn't so. Yeah, it doesn't really matter in the end. Yeah, maybe he figures out that you know I guess I'm not going to get an answer. I guess it doesn't matter. He's helping anyway. Right. So let's just go along with it, <laughs> and see if I can get my cruise ship back. When the doctor uh, talks to Triss and is talk- and mentioning his machine, he says, I once knew somebody who had a machine similar to this, this idea, and I thought he was going to go to the um, Carnival of Monsters, you know, the miniaturized um, creatures and stuff and scenes in the ship that were still the scenes in the, the device. Mm-hmm. There's and, certain similarities. Yeah. So I expected, and then I was trying to think, what? The, okay, what was that guy's name in that? The, um, the kind of carny type uh, yeah. character, but I didn't remember what his name was. And then he came up with Professor whatever, who t- uh, was a mentor to Trist anyway. But that's where I was thinking he was going, because he seems to have as much disdain for it as he did for uh, the machine in Carnival of Monsters. Yeah. knowing that he's actually taken the life forms and miniaturized and trapped them in these crystal um, crystals not just their their images and so that's why the doctor makes his his biting comments that he does um, I think the maybe the maybe Tris doesn't realize that he's actually taking the, the things? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think he, maybe he does, but he's making out like he doesn't. Something kind of odd about this scientist. The doctor sure seemed interested in him yeah. after talking to the captain. I think it was, anyway. Right. I mean, the captain, after... Secker uh, has been attacked. Calls Trist and says, "Okay, did you bring anything alive? Any specimens onto my ship?" Um, so he goes right away to asking about that to the professor. Mm-hmm. So he suspects something there. good effect other than that there's there's mostly standard hallways for for a ship hallway um, gray lined on the walls or lined on the floor you know it's a very institutionalized um, spaceship mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess you could say um, 
the, the, the passengers were kind of interesting looking because they're all sitting in their rows like like airplane seating <laughs> essentially but they're in like these protective suits like the, the Tyvek suits yeah um, the white suits and goggles and the, and the hood oh. and everything and told that you know keep their suits on until they are able to transport oh. down to the planet or something like that with their safety suits and they're just sitting there waiting and we don't see them again do we I don't think we see any passenger again except Mm-mm. for no just in that opening or that one little tiny bit okay just we we only see Trist and Della well yeah I guess the, you see a couple lounge, of us I guess but yeah they weren't in their gear they right. were maybe just hanging on aboard the ship maybe they're not strictly passengers not really part of the crew, but kind of. I don't know. It's kind of unclear what their role is, um, what their part in the, of the cruise ship is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do have to say that the, the outfits that they have, speaking of the little suits that the passengers are wearing, they're, they're like very disco-y crew outfits. Because they're like sparkly, um, they're like a plain sleeves and like a little stripe over the shoulder. And then the, the body of the tunic is um, like a dark sparkly spandex. Like coppery sparkles on it. Okay. It just seemed very spangly. <laughs> for, for an outfit. I don't know how to describe it other than that. It, it was okay. It just it struck me as a little flashy. Not not a official captainy look. Hmm. You know, like not a captain cat. Not Captain Stubing by any means. <laughs> <laughs> Not. This captain's very irritated at not at not being able to land his or get his people to to the planet. I guess. Uh, does she have anything? No, not really. I just thought it was a mediocre episode. Mm-hmm. Especially for a first episode, I just it you know you expect them to go by a little. You know, kind of speedy because you're getting you're getting introduced to the situation and the and the players and everything, but usually that doesn't take a long time. Right. Uh, and the way they got thrown right into the situation that was what that worked well, but this um, running around the ship got a little tedious. Yeah, and fairly pointlessly running around the ship too. Yeah. So, our, talk about our, our ending. As I, as I mentioned, it's like every time something happened, I thought, well, okay, could have ended there. Oh, nope, we're still going. Oh, it could have ended there. Nope. Oh, nope, we've got something else. And then we finally end on the bug-eyed creature. The mutant Kermit the Frog. The mutant, yeah. <laughs> kind of looks like a kind of Gonzo-y, but really big. Not, yeah, no nose. No but, nose. But the buggy eyes, kind of. Yeah. It was. 
and dark colored like purples and blacks. But yeah, I thought you know it could have could have ended when the ray was coming out of the gun to shoot the doctor, and the doctor crumpling to the ground. It could have ended when Ramona gets blasted by the uh, whatever flying disc is in the Eden um, part of the machine. Nope. <laughs> They open the panel after K9's blasting work, and there's this big. Can one we blast. talk about that for a second? Oh sure. <laughs> Love to talk about that. <laughs> so K9 goes to blast a hole. Yeah. And that was the best they could do. <laughs> you can tell where the cut's gonna be. Because they've obviously cut the hole, put tape over it, uh-huh. so that the tape could <laughs> sink in to the hole, so that basically there's an outline of where canine is going to end up, quote-unquote, cutting yeah. the wall. <laughs> really? That's the best you can do. I had to mark that down. What I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. Well, what that reminds me of is when the, the Captain Rig says, "Oh, it's a oh no, he says, oh, it's a handy tool or whatever," and um, the, the doctor says, "Well, he's more than just a blowtorch." No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he talks. No, really. <laughs> he talks. He gets stuck on things. He can't move very fast. <laughs> But yeah, he's more than a blowtorch. Kinda. <laughs> well, he's not a very good blowtorch, as you said. He's got to have everything cut out for him already. Yeah. That was terrible. I didn't get to see the whole cutting thing. Did they show him going all the way around? No. No. Just uh, no. Just they showed him starting, and they might have shown him finishing. I can't remember. Okay. I only saw the starting, and then. But the starting was bad enough. Yeah. The other thing that's always bad about him is when his blaster doesn't follow the blasting line. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't really seen that too much, though. No. no a cu those couple times, like two or three times in Android Tara. Mm -hmm. At least twice in Android yeah. Tara. We see that not keeping up when the doctor's saying, oh, here. And then moving along with his finger like, yeah, come around this way. <laughs> so, big bug-eyed creature at the end. Yeah. I guess that's probably fine. I would have picked one of the other places to end, though. Well, and I'm having a hard time, just generally speaking, not spoiling something. Mm. that I think is actually overly obvious at this point but sort of spoils the episode well it's probably better that we don't yeah I'll keep quiet on it for now when it comes up in the actual story I think I'll bring it back up so. okay and you notice that the panel was cut just so that it would go to like you know waist height of the creature yeah. Yeah. 
does him no good otherwise. So he could just reach through a little bit. Um, at least just got the top part on and wearing their, you know, khaki trousers or something underneath that. You know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, the guy only wears top half of his costume. Maybe they only make a top half of the costume. Who knows how much of oh, this no. creature we see. There's a bottom half. Oh, okay. We see more of it. Okay. We will be. Spoiler. Okay. Alright. Well, I think I'm done. Yeah. Call it good for today. So join us tomorrow, and we'll see what happens with the bug-eyed monster when we talk about part two of Nightmare of Eden. <sighs> <laughs> join us then, and thank you for listening.